The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. We continue to rejoice in Thee, O Lord God Almighty and Everlasting, that Thou hast been the strength and the stay of Thy people generation after generation. And even so it is with us today and all who confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, loving him in truth and sincerity. We thank thee that thou art for us. And that being so, in the ultimate sense, who can be against us? And yet, as thou knowest, we have much with which to contend as we seek to make our way homeward and serve thee in this present evil world. Sustain us then as thou hast done those who have gone before us and comfort and encourage us and enable us by the strength of the Holy Spirit bringing to us that resurrection vitality of the Lord Jesus Christ that we might ever be more than conquerors and endure to the end in accord with thy word and prove thy faithful care. We commit to thee, O Lord, uh, those who suffer for righteousness' sake, particularly today. We remember the families and fellow believers of thy servants in Turkey and ask, O God, that thou wilt console and strengthen them and grant that the blood of those martyrs may indeed be the seed of the church there. Hear us and help us. Be with all who mourn, guide the perplexed, strengthen the weak, and continue to give us thine aid as we serve thee. Pardon our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. Be seated, please. You turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26. And also the first verse of chapter 27. Time is running out on us. So we have to take this large section today. Isaiah 26, verse 7. Let us hear the word of God. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. But if favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. You have done for us all our works. 
O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead. They will not live. They are shades. They will not arise. To that end you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we have given birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall arise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For you, your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. In that day, the Lord, with his hard and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Amen. May God bless to us his word. Difficult passage indeed in terms of tracing the movement of thought from uh, one statement to the next. And the task of making a comment on it all is almost a prescription for folly, certainly for failure. Uh, but that's what we've got to do this morning if we're going to try and complete this sketch and overview of these chapters in the book of the prophet Isaiah. And so I confront you with one indisputable fact, and that here is a portion between two songs. The opening verses of 26, and then if verse 1 of 27 uh, goes with chapter 26, which I think it does, then in the second verse we've got another song. So here's a portion between two songs. What kind of portion is it? Well, it's a prayer. Not merely a prayer presented, but a prayer answered. The Lord himself speaks by way of reply to his people who address him in the person of or along with the prophet Isaiah. And the theme of the preceding song, 
and the subsequent psalm refers to being kept, trusting or waiting on the part of the people of God and then being kept by the Lord by way of response uh, to their faith in him. Look at verse 4 of 26. Trust in the Lord forever. And that picks up the previous, the statement in the previous verse. And again in chapter 27, where the picture is of a vineyard, I, the Lord, am its keeper. So what I've done is to use this theme and try and uh, follow the thought or the content of this intervening section in terms of the perseverance of the saints and the preservation of the saints. Trusting in the Lord and being kept by the Lord. We've sung these songs with the remnant Israel. And we've been able to do it with a greater measure of thanksgiving than they have because the Christ has come and the end has begun. And yet all that we have joined in together with them has not yet been accomplished. There's still more to come to which they look forward and which we now look forward to in connection with the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this interval, what we are to do is what they did as they looked forward. We are to wait, trust, hope, and to do it in the assurance that none who trusts in him will be confounded or put to shame. Look at the circumstances that are, de uh, are described here. Uh, there's, there's a reference to the righteous and the wicked, located in 8th century Judah, the nation, the remnant. There you've got the visible church today. But then there are inhabitants of the earth who cause trouble to the visible church. God's enemies, the unbelieving world. For the righteous, there's a straight path. And in addition, they live in a land of right. But the wicked are not so far removed from that straight path and the land of righteousness. They see it. They see what God does for and with his people, but they don't understand it. And that's an added burden, of course, to the righteous. And instead of the righteous giving life, through their testimony and conduct, it seems as if they do nothing but die. And yet they're told that they'll be raised. And so they're to continue to trust until the author of death himself, that trinity of evil, the three monsters, two leviathans and a dragon, along with the inhabitants of the earth, are subjected to the fury of the Lord. There are associations and echoes, aren't there? 
in the New Testament, and particularly in the book of the Revelation. And so the situation as described by Isaiah in the 8th century in Jerusalem and Judah has its counterpart time and time again throughout the history of the church, and it has its counterpart today. And therefore what they did, we do. They continued to wait, to walk in the way, to wait in expectation for the intervention of God by way of judgment and mercy, and to do it in spite of all the difficulties that beset them. Well, now, what elements of trusting? I'm just going to list them for you. You can track them down yourself. What elements of trusting are found here? Well, obviously, obedience in verse 7. The path of the righteous, this is the way in which they're to walk. And it's a path that God has made level, straight for them, so that they don't fall out of the way. They're to walk in it. They're to keep God's word. They're to walk in accord with his will. And as they do so, they're to do it with expectation. The Lord himself will intervene and manifest his judgments by way of displeasure against the wicked and by way of recompense and reward for their faithful adherence to him. It's not merely a path that they tread. It's a path that he treads too with them and acts on their behalf negatively and positively expectation of judgments but sadly they know disappointment because even when God acts accomplishing his works through them and manifesting his judgments against those who oppose them in measure you just think of the history of Judah you know we were reminded last week Sennacherib and the um, preservation of a signal intervention of God. So much so that the Assyrians didn't want their people to know about it. This is what God's people remember. But even when God so acts, the wicked in Israel don't learn when the Lord's hand is lifted up. They don't see his glory when he manifests his majesty. It's a sadness and a perplexity to the people of God that even among those who acknowledge his name don't really know him. But then there's the note of humility. So far it might seem as if everything, you know, is, is, uh, is at least positive. Uh, walk in obedience, you won't fall out of the way. Expect God to intervene, and he's not silent, he's not inactive. And yet when he does, people don't take notice of him. The problem's all out there. No, it isn't. Here's a confession. Here's an admission. O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us. Here's a recollection that even the righteous have wandered and strayed and needed to be recalled and preserved. Still, there's no righteousness of their own in which they can trust. 
And so they acknowledge this in penitence, but with determination. By thee only will we make mention of thy name. It's like the prodigal returning. You know, and he weeps over sin that's been forgiven. That's the test, you know, of genuine repentance. When forgiven sin humbles us. Other lords besides you have ruled over us. But we will make mention of your name only. And then in verses 14 and 15. Thanksgiving. That their foes have been judged. And yet they have been preserved and increased. In accord with the Abrahamic promise. They've not been destroyed and removed from the earth. But there's weakness too. Because in time of difficulty they don't have the strength to cry aloud only to whisper. They can't produce that life for others which they were intended and designed to do. So all they can do is to acknowledge that they have accomplished no deliverance in the earth. Still they have no strength of their own. And yet through all these difficulties, they persevere. That's what we must do. The perseverance of the saints is real persevering. But it's not all down to us. Because there's a preserver of the saints. And we find things about him here. Frequently in these verses, you have the word Lord, covenant redeemer, covenant deliverer. Reminiscences of the promise in Eden about the seed of the woman, the Lord God said. Reminiscence of the Exodus when the significance of that name was, even, was revealed even more clearly at the Passover, which is recalled at the end of this chapter. The Passover and the Red Sea. This is his memorial name. It's because of who he is that, in a sense, it doesn't matter who we are, as long as we have him. And if we trust in him, weakness, disappointment, opposition... We will not be put to shame. That's what's being asserted here. His peace and his power are promised to us. A peace that this world cannot give nor take away. And it's by his power that he does our works in us. Now think about that. Those things that we ought to do, we are not left to do alone. He enables us to persevere. By his power at work in us. And in the last analysis, what does it matter? If instead of giving life to multitudes, we're called upon to die. That's what's envisaged here. Do you see the contrast between those enemies that become shades? And they're no more. They'll not be resurrected again to trouble the people of God 
whereas those who have suffered for his name's sake, they will be resurrected. Your dead shall live. Dew and light, refreshment and glory promised to them. And ultimately, the Lord's total safekeeping. Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you. Noah and the ark, Israel in Egypt at Passover time, when the fury of the Lord is about to break, not merely on the inhabitants of the earth, but on that trinity of evil, the serpent, the dragon, and his two beasts from the earth and from the sea. When the end will actually come against the children of Israel, not a dog would bark, Exodus tells us. Complete and utter safety. None that trusts in him will be confounded. Persevere, he'll preserve you. Without doubt. To the end, beyond the end, and to his glory. Amen. Let us pray. We thank thee, O Lord, that we are in thy hands and that nothing can separate us from thy love. In Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Help us then, we pray, to be indomitable and always abound in the work of the Lord. To thy praise and glory. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.